What's happening, good people? So welcome to another episode of First Generation Wealth Builders, man. I'm excited about this guest. I met Mr. Andy in Miami. We was uh, out there with Neo Maya on a yacht and yes. living it up, man. Yes, What's going on? I'm doing extremely, extremely well, and thank you for having me. Now, hey, so you come into the mastermind. I'm thankful for having you, man. Thank you for coming through, man. Definitely, definitely. We have to show love, whatever love is given, so it has to be reciprocated. So I appreciate it. I appreciate it. So we was just off camera talking, and uh, I was like, man, we was talking about who you sound like, and you sound like the dude off the Allstate commercials, yes, man. Yes. And you was telling us about that. Yeah, um, several years ago, because I used to do some print work and commercials and touched a couple movies, and um, that was one of the commercials I did a casting for. Mm. And he was actually under contract um, negotiations with the whole Allstate and everybody. Wow. And I made the final three. And they was going to make their final selection with them in seven days. Yeah. And three days prior to them making the selection, he actually signed a contract to extend. And that's when he actually rolled over and continued doing a more commercial. So mm. um, that was going to be one of those where life was going to be different. <laughs> got you, got you. He messed yeah. up the church's money. Yeah, that's goodness. But got I, you. I, I was grateful for the opportunity. It was a great experience. Now, you say you touched a couple movies. Like, yes. talk about that. Um. I typically don't talk about it, but yeah, I've, I've touched a couple movies. Um, worked in Bad Boys with Will Smith and Martin Lawrence. Worked with um, which one? Bad Boys Two. Okay. Um, worked with um, Quentin Junior. Okay. Um, with Snow Dogs and um, worked a couple other movies and did a lot of commercials and bus work and. Okay, and so like, I mean, how'd you get involved in that? Is that something that you pursued or just got selected for? Well, early on, um, when I came back from college. I used to, I had a business with my brother-in-law and there were several people in South Miami that they would always say, I look like people that's on television. Mm. And I would always say, no, wrong person. And, and lo and behold, one day, um, an agent, a friend, she, um, her good friend was an agent and she introduced me to the agent and they told me to come out for a casting. And um, it was just one of those opportunities where everything fell in line. I went out for about 18 castings and I landed 16, 16 Ooh. out of 18, which is rare. I mean, I was on a roll for a while and um, had a lot of great opportunities, met a lot of great people, and, and it was a great experience at that time in my life. And then I decided to get married, had a couple kids, and gotcha. um, entrepreneurial life took over and just went from there. But okay. I, I still touch into it and have a good time. So, Gotcha. Um, just to give our uh, audience some context on how we met, um, you know, I think it's important just because we're both entrepreneurs and um, I think that entrepreneurship is a path. It's a never ending path as Definitely. we're always trying to develop and innovate and stay current in, in our in our lanes. And we met down in Miami at a mastermind uh, with Neo. Um, so going into that mastermind, what was your goal? Well, my goal originally um, when I Prior to meeting with um, Neo, I met with a gentleman by the name of Hen 500. Mm. And where that came into play was I was actually in the finance business with, I was working in my local city, helping um, entrepreneurs and uh, people in the northwest section of our city. And it got to a point where they canceled the contract, but I was still had a passion for helping people with businesses. And I came across an opportunity where um, I purchased an Amazon store. And within the Amazon store, I was extended the opportunity to, partner up with the entity and um, 
we were offering the service of people. But what I found out, because I was strictly working with people in the northwest section of our city, and I just wanted to be able to continue what I was doing with the city, which is help build generational wealth, help build something that parents and mothers and fathers can pass down to their children. So I thought this was a great opportunity because Amazon is still booming, and back then it was booming as well. And I, I noticed there was a trend. When I was working with the city, I was actually helping um, communities with getting funding and also helping building their business credit and personal credit. But when I started working on the Amazon side, it was a hefty price. Um, back then it was at 25000 to get the store started. Then you needed additional capital to run the store every month. And what I was noticing, a lot of people didn't have the income or the, the cash available to, for one, purchase a store and to keep the store running every month. So I just went ahead and tapped into what I was doing before, which was a perfect fit, which is helping people um, fix their credit, build their credit, and get funding. And I just thought it was a perfect match. And from there, helped several families be able to fix their credit, build their business credit, get some capital, and then get their stores going. And it just took off from there. And when I got to a place where I was just strictly working with families just to be able to purchase the Amazon store, and I got to a place when I met 500 where they were it's a, a financial literacy program where they teach um, entrepreneurs how to scale their business mm -hmm. and I just sat there and said okay if I can learn how to actually put together the program where I can scale it to you know instead of doing one-on-one -on -one, we do one-on many meaning we're, t we're talking to many people at once um, then that'll just take my business to the whole next level and therefore before you go too far why do you want to go from one-to-one -to, -one to one to many because I think where much is given, much is required. And I feel I've gotten to a place where I'm extremely blessed, have two beautiful children, um, have a beautiful goddaughter, uh, grandkids. And I just think I'm at a place in my life where it's time to not just reach so many people, but try to reach as many people as I can. Um, what I've learned, especially with working with our local cities, is um, as far as the blueprint isn't shared with our community mm. or in depth, share with our community we have this perception of building credit or actually having credit is this far-fetched thing we have this perception of building business credit a far-fetched thing is not that far off it's just a matter of staying disciplined and actually showing and teaching people how simple it can be by just being disciplined and following the blueprint so i put together a blueprint where i think it's fairly simple we just have to be disciplined and i call it we just have to unlearn what we've learned and just truly believe and know that there is a way out. Where it's, it's, I used to call our program, we bank the unbankable. And gotcha. in the same, same process, it's a lot of people in our community just think that it's so far-fetched that they can't reach that level of having a 750 credit score, having an 800 credit score, right. walking into the bank and asking what you want, not wait and see what they're going to offer you, but literally you're asking for what you want. And it's just gotten to a place where you know, we've helped hundreds and hundreds of families and I'm proud to say that we're, we're, we're going to take it to the next level. Got you, got you. All right. So we definitely going to get into the credit stuff. Definitely. I definitely. I want to learn. I want to understand. I want to understand the Amazon play, all of that. But, you know, first I would like to learn a little bit about you. You know I mean? We we met down there and, you know, we, I understand kind of like uh, I got a screenshot of what you do. Uh, uh, we definitely got good vibes. That was great energy. Yes. Neo definitely uh, helped, you know, motivate all of us in the room. A lot of us still connect. I see a lot of us, you know, supporting and, and, and uh, you know, uh, reposting each other. It's so, so that was dope, man, just to build some relationships. But, like, 
let's let's talk about like wh where you from? Okay, born and raised in Miami, Florida. Um, attended college Alabama A and M and in Iowa, but after college came back home, um, helped my family out. We have a family restaurant in Miramar, Florida. Um, shout out to my parents, Tony's Restaurant. There it uh, is in Miramar, Florida. Um, but like you said, when we met at Neil's event, Neil's been a brother I've been following. He's part of the circle of circle of CEOs um, in Atlanta and several other places. And he, he's another brother I was following for a while and had the opportunity to attend his mastermind. And I think for me personally, what brought me a little closer to you with the connection, um, I want to say it was maybe around 10, 30, 11 o'clock at night. Oh, okay. Um, me and my buddy Terrence were hanging out on South Beach and, you know, uh, I was heading back home and... I watched Neil's live, and he had one more spot available. Excuse me, he had two more spots available mm. um, to attend a mastermind the next morning. Now, granted, it's 10, 30, 11 o'clock at night. Um, I actually told Terrence, listen, call Neil, see if I can get in, and if, you know, how I go ahead and pay. And and right then and there, you know, uh, I was able to pay while we were on the highway driving, and he said there was one more spot left available. And he, I, he mentioned where you were coming from, you know, as far as, I believe it was an hour later, mm -hmm. he got the last spot. So I was curious for the next day, like, who was the last person that got the last seat? I want to say it was around 12, maybe 12, 1230 when you picked up the last seat. That's and funny, man. When we met, I just connected like, okay, this is my bro. We the last two that was able to get into the house. Um, so for me, I was that. just on Instagram. It was a random, like, Tuesday, I want to say. Tuesday or Wednesday, I can't yeah. remember. Yeah. And it was late night. It was a lot, yeah. And uh, he was just like, yo, I got a couple more seats. Or like, hey. You know, make it or break it. Like, come on, let's let's do it. And so, um, I, I inboxed him, and we just talked via in, uh, Instagram, and he basically was just like, "Hey, if you come down, I got a spot for you." Yeah. But for me, it was tough. I had to get my dogs together. I had to get my daughter together. In a couple of hours. <laughs> yeah, and I caught a fight at seven o'clock, man, uh, to be down there. So, nah, that was definitely. So when I met you, you definitely was like, "Wait a minute, oh, so that was you." Yeah, yeah, so I was definitely on the other side of that uh, that that call that he was telling you about. Yeah, definitely. He, um, Neil's been a brother, literally, like you know, on Instagram and social media, as they say, a lot of people be capping from day one when I met mm. this brother. Like everything has been above board, and even as late as that live. And a lot of times, people think, you know, oh, they're just selling. They're just saying it's the last one. It's the last two. Mm -hmm. Literally, there were two spots because it was packed. You know, my boy, yeah, and um. And everything he's done has been solid and above board. So um, that was a no-brainer for me when I had the opportunity to be able to participate. And I took a, took advantage of it. And Got you. Would you, like, just to, you know, I think it's important for people to understand, especially in the Midwest, man. Um, I, I feel, you know, I'll put it out there. I don't, I don't feel like the black community of entrepreneurs is as tight up here in the Midwest as they are down south, Atlanta and Miami um, nowadays. What did you... What's one thing you took away from that mastermind that empowered you? Um, the biggest thing I took away is collaboration over competition. That mm. was the biggest thing where um, in the room, there were several different businesses and entities that still collaborated within the same industry. Like literally there's enough work, there's enough money, there's enough people in this world where we all can literally be doing close to the same thing and still be able to make a really good living. Mm. And I just learned from Neo and him, um, him 500, where you know us coming together, we literally can be doing almost the same thing and we still can thrive and succeed. And we just build off of each other. 
That's like what we're doing we here. Should, yeah, we just build off of each other and and just help the next generation learn that and understand that and and not fear because someone is in the same industry as you or in the same field as you. Um, fear of you know sharing information, help each other excel, and and that's what helped build. And that's one thing I've learned, especially with Neo, like really you actually your business goes to the next level when you're collaborating and you're, you're in the network of people in the same industry because there's certain things you may know that i don't know there's certain things i may know you don't know and right. um, and actually i had this conversation with a gentleman yesterday um day before yesterday um he's a rapper in our local city and he actually does credit repair and he was going she's trying to get funding for he's trying to purchase some um, commercial property and once he shared you know he's in the credit repair and the attorney that introduced us and he just started telling me the challenges he had with something on his report. And I just started sharing, okay, well, have you tried this? Have you tried this? Did you did you know in the letter this to the agency? Did you tell them this? And he was literally blown away. And he was so grateful. When I say grateful of actually me sharing willfully information without asking them for a penny, without asking for something in return. And I think with, with doing that, the cycle's going to continue. Because now this brother, I'm almost 100% certain, he's going to forward on to the next person. Right. He's not going to be worrying about, oh, I know a secret. Right. I'm not going to share with him because I don't want him to go do what I'm doing. Listen, we all, I mean, we all can't fix everybody's credit in America. Facts. Literally, we cannot. And there's enough for everybody. And he learned that, and, and, and he was really grateful. So uh, I'm just glad to be able to keep pushing it and sharing it with everyone and just opening everybody's eyes to know that, there's more than enough for everyone to eat, and we just have to share. Got you. Okay, okay. So let's go to it. When you got down with college, like, what was your career path? Well, uh, my original career path, uh, I was I wanted to be in the hospitality industry because my parents, of course, in the restaurant business, wanted to stay right. in the restaurant um, hospitality. And um, shout out to Alabama A and M Bulldogs up on the hill. <laughs> um, we were in the hospitality, and um, originally, I didn't want to go into the restaurant field. I wanted to go into hotel and restaurant. And at that time, I wanted nothing to do with business, wanted to go work a regular job at the hotel and be the manager and run the hotel and, of course, get all the perks with, you know, the different hotels and traveling. But um, um, unfortunately, my I had a death in the family. My aunt passed away and mm. came back, and there was some challenges within our family. So I started helping my parents and um, started working with my brother-in-law. And from there, um, besides, I want to say maybe a three-year period. I was a manager at Walgreens, but besides that, I've been an entrepreneur my entire adult life. So when is this When is this time where you like doing, you're going through this? About what time is this? Um, I was around 22, 23. Okay. And where, about 24. Um, and at that time period where I noticed I was going to work at, I was a manager at Walgreens, making pretty good money. Um, but of course, I was a rookie working a night shift. Mm. And yes, it was good money, but I noticed my time. Like, I was literally going home, working overnight, ran the store, um, woke up the next day, late midday, almost time to go back to work, and I was like, there has to be a better way. There has to be a better way. And that's when my brother-in-law, of course, invited me back. Um, we partnered up again on some different projects, and it just went from there. And, what kind of projects? Um, we had an estate. We liquidated estates um, where we went in and brought out mansions and estates, and then we resold the furniture and yeah, we were hustling. Wait, 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 yeah. man. All right, all right. So so explain that. Liquidating estates. I, I know yeah. nothing about that. Okay, for example, if um, you have, we, we, we targeted the high end. We targeted the high end community in Southwest Miami where um, we looked in the newspaper, the traders, the um, back then the Craigslist, everyone that was either moving 
or getting rid of their furniture um, with the mansions and estates. So we go in, we give them a price for the entire house, and we literally um, work out a contract where um, instead of us coming in with an 18-wheeler or you know, a couple 36-foot trucks, we would literally borrow their house for the weekend. And we not only didn't have to move the furniture from the estate, we actually put signs out everywhere, did advertising everywhere, and people literally came to the estates. And we cleared out the house, and we made a good living out of it. So I'm trying to follow. Is this the same? Is this similar to buying storage units that have been abandoned and not paid for? And you you get the property, and then you could just resell it. Somewhat like that. What we didn't sell at the estate, we would take everything because, of course, we owned them, and we would put it as we had a warehouse area that we rented, and people would come in, and they would purchase exquisite, nice furniture at really good rates. Mm, yeah. I didn't know there was such thing. Yeah, yeah. now they're, um, they're actually making it a little bit more challenging because we kind of set the trend back then. And, um, I mean, we were having hundreds and hundreds of people coming out. That's <laughs> wild. I could only imagine. Yeah, you're buying Like, boys tackling furniture. each other to get the couches. Yeah, yeah. Like, that's my couch. No, nah, that's my couch. Yeah, we okay. Good, we had some pretty good deals back then. Wow, wow. No, I bet. I bet. Okay. So, what's the, what's the next uh, part of your chapter after that? Well, after that, um, we kind of split ways, went in different directions. Okay. Um, and that's where I started working with building my own things. I had, of course, I kept on doing it with the furniture, but I went in a different direction of how I was selling it. And I went more towards being exclusive with certain people, and my name started spreading out, and then from there it kind of shifted off and just got into got married, got into the acting. That's when I was introduced to the acting, and that took over, and I was doing that full-time for several years, and then got married, and my wife wanted to go into the hospitality with um, event decor, and of course, I went with that being an entrepreneur head first. Um, with my parents having a restaurant, we catered um, events. I did that, and we scaled her business really, really fast, and we ended up doing, um, they call them, um, work with um, destination management companies where we strictly, after about two years, we scaled to the point where we were fortunate enough where we were able to just strictly work with about Fortune 500 companies. Wherever they had retreats, whenever they had their um, annual meetings, they would come down to South Florida, South gotcha. Beach, at the major hotels, and we you know, take care of the weekends. Because that's something I've always been um, thinking outside the box. How do we scale? How do we, how do, we do things a little different? Because we started off just doing weddings and just doing parties. Did you own a venue or did you lease a venue? Well, we didn't actually own anything. We almost had the model of right now with the Neil's doing and where we had facilities that we referred people to. And at times we had facilities booked without us paying for it, Mm. where we literally had clients that I call it. We had clients come in and they would say we had specific locations. We would offer it to them. When they paid us, we paid the facility. Got you. So, so you didn't have a monthly rent. No. You basically um, sold a proposition to somebody, gave them a couple, maybe a one, two, and three. You select, and then from there, you selected a venue that fit their size and their necessities. Definitely, definitely. So when they paid, you didn't seat exactly. the property. Exactly, exactly. Oh, um, low overhead. We were, at, we were at a place where we were going up to seven, six to seven events per weekend. That's so, a lot. Yeah, that we, it's a lot of stress, too. A lot of manpower. Yeah, it, was a lot. it was a lot. But then when, excuse me, my kids got to an age where, um, which is something I'm always big on, 
and I always told my wife, my ex-wife at the time, where whenever my children got to the place where they wanted to, because we worked a lot of hours. We worked five days. We worked all week mm-hmm. to get ready for the weekend. And it became it became a lot stress a lot of stress but it was fine, but actually when my children actually I'll never forget when my daughter said Dad why why can't we go to the park Dad why can't we go mm. um, I get emotional every time I think about it and when that day came I told my ex wife okay listen we're gonna have to find somebody to take care of what I do day to day I'll be here for you know certain periods of time take care of logistics and um, was just able to do that from there and gotcha. worked and stayed with my kids a lot and. Got into coaching them in sports, and of course, nice. I was doing fairly well, um, and just went from there. Nice. Like, I have a question about your 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 system. Mm-hmm. Did you ever think of owning a building or leasing a property to basically have a home station for your event? Yes, we actually did. But then, when I did the numbers, um, it was it didn't add up. It was a lot better having different facilities because at the time, all the facilities were in competition with each other. And I knew if I would have gotten a space, it would have limited as far as the income we had coming in. As strange as it sounds, because the faci- other facilities would have no longer rented to us. They would have no longer allowed us to come in to do events. Because um, you would have been a competitor. Exactly. So mm. we just kept at a place where we had five or six different properties that we worked at, and it just kept us busy. Now, I got to bridge this. Just from my mindset, you know, I think real estate, like, have you ever thought of doing like an Airbnb model like this? Yes. Well, actually, um, you mean for event space? Uh, no. Well, that that's we could go there. Uh-huh. Um, but yeah, have you ever thought that? Let's go there first. Have you ever thought of continuing that for event space? Yes, actually, um, my I have a a, a cousin, um, Vlad. We're now in the process. We're looking for properties and condos to be able to rent out to do Airbnbs. Where where, as I say, we're doing it the right way. It's a little challenging because, you know, with the whole Airbnb and, and what's going on with COVID, but uh, we're in the process. Arbitrage, right? right? That's what it's, it's called. Yes. That's process called arbitrage. Yes. Yes. Now, with your event spaces, you know, when you talked about scaling, basically you would have been only having one event venue. You would have been cut off by other competition because they would have been like, no, you're the owner over there. Like, I'm thinking, would you ever, had you ever considered owning multiple different buildings? Now, now I'm at the place after meeting uh, Neil, and he literally gave mm-hmm. us the blueprint. And um, that's something I'm planning on doing. I'm planning something I'm going to do mm-hmm. after I settle in with the Airbnb. And actually about three, I want to say about three weeks ago, I ran the numbers and literally event spaces most cases make more than the Airbnbs, believe it or not. So mm. um, that's something I'm, I'm going to eventually do. Got you, got you. All right. So how did you get into the credit business? Yes, with the credit. Um, when my ex-wife and I were going through our, um, our divorce, mm-hmm. um, initially we wanted to get some funding. Um, it was a challenge going to a bank. We were at a, um, at a time, it was a bank we were for about four or five years with this bank, and mm-hmm. we were depositing easily six figures into the bank every year and it got to a place where i'll never forget we went in to go and try to borrow about 40 or fifty thousand to get a refrigerated box truck and i didn't want to use the cash we had on hand i just wanted to to find see if they can finance it or give us a loan for it and they denied us 
And I just couldn't understand why. And we had good credit. Um, when you say good credit, what's good credit? We were we were both over seven fifty. Okay. Um, we both had two at that time two American Express cards. Uh, we had a business and a personal, which were they had fairly great limits. So yes, we could have purchased the trucks outright. But to me, the blueprint back then was use other people's money. Why? Um, well, mainly because um, for one, you always want to have what you have on hand for opportunities that can come. Mm. And um, I was never one that looked. And I have a I have a system in my head where everybody has to eat. If everyone takes a little bit, everyone makes more. If you want to be the one that eats all, you're going to end up eating less. Mm. So um, I always. Ooh. Yeah, yeah. Hey, I just I call that eating the chicken. You know what I mean? Like okay. when you want to eat the whole chicken, uh, when, there ain't gonna be no more next time you want to come back. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Um, I, I I have a saying where if a monkey's hungry once, it's gonna be hungry again. So share. <laughs> mm. So yeah, I, I didn't want to liquidate all the cash that we had on hand. And um, that actually just got me to thinking like, why aren't they lending us money? And that's when I found out and I'm going to talk about it tomorrow at the mastermind. Banks are not in the business of lending. They literally are not in the business of lending. Yes, they advertise it. But that's only because by law, they have to. Mm, I didn't know that by law, they have to advertise, they have to lend by law. But so they don't restrict. A, they don't restrict them on how much they can lend. Right. The percentage, um, as of about three years ago, is one point two percent. On average, with the amount of money they have in the bank, they're lending one point two percent of the money out. So, so explain to me what are they in business for then? They're in the business of making money, where mm. we're depositing our money in the bank, and they're using that money to purchase more properties, to purchase more land, to do different things, and everybody's getting their returns. And, higher end, I call it the higher up the ladder, getting their dividends. and so, But banks are not in the business of lending money to businesses. Because we all know that business is a high risk, high, high risk. And, and the, the rate of businesses not succeeding is extremely high. So for that reason, they're not in the business of, of lending money. Makes sense. But, so. you know, one thing that's also true is that any city you go to, no matter what city in the world, mm -hmm. the biggest builders have banks. Mm -hmm. On the names of those buildings, mm -hmm. so you know that makes sense. And if you if you look at the returns, as far as for example, when you go into a bank, the interest they're charging you when you do receive a loan, mm -hmm. what's the interest you're receiving when you put your money into the bank? Less than what is it? Point zero zero zero. Yeah, zero zero one percent. So yeah. Um, yeah, when I learned that, that's when um, we we were fortunate enough in our city we had a loan fund program, okay. and I went in to apply, and me being a male at the time, and um, I went in, I went through the whole process with the paperwork, and I knew what I knew as far as business-wise and how to manage it and, you know, doing the whole business plan. Um, for some odd reason, I wasn't approved. Um, it was for $25,000, a $25,000 loan. I wasn't approved. And How'd you feel? Um, I was confused. Okay. Um, I was one. Um, I'm from Haitian descent, um, and my dad instilled in all of us, we made no excuses. Okay. Where we came to America built what he built and he didn't make any excuses he went to work every day we all were afforded certain opportunities um, but for some reason I kept on thinking there's it only came back to one thing I was an African-American male that was outspoken mm -hmm. that um, I shared a lot of information in the class and um, some of the people took it the wrong way um, I bet but because at times my delivery can appear to be strong but long behold um, 
went through the process, didn't get approved, and I decided to put my then ex-wife through the process. Um, and because I was doing the catering, I had one company. Okay. She had her event company, which was a totally different name. And, of course, I did all the paperwork, did all the business plans, took care of everything. She just physically attended the class, and she was approved. <laughs> mm. um, now, I'm going to ask the same question again. How did you feel then? Um, I started to learn um, the systems created a certain way, and um, you have to make adjustments. I didn't make any excuses. Um, I didn't say, um, forget this program. I didn't say I'm not because we had a family we had to feed. And right. We just adjusted. We didn't compromise our morals. We didn't do anything illegal. We didn't go say we're not going to do this anymore. We're going to go in a different direction. We just, I call it, we ran the play. And so what adjustments did you make? The adjustment I made was, okay, if the female's going to get approved and she was of Caribbean descent, we put a female in place. And literally I did all the paperwork behind the scenes. She had a great presentation. She was gifted with her talents. And um, I was the brains behind it, but she was the physical hands with the talent. And we got approved. And literally the day, um, and I shared this story with the city. That's what is going to lead me to what I'm going to share. When we went to go sign our loan documents, um, we were approved for $25,000. They initially gave us $15,000 because the program was geared towards um, – people who weren't able to go into the bank and receive funding, so you were still considered a risk, even though we had great credit and we had successful business. They gave us a $15,000 loan. You approved for twenty five, they gave us 15000 But when I went over to sign the documents, I literally stopped at the, at the conference table in City Hall. And I said, why are we paying a full note of $426.15 and we're only getting fifteen thousand out of the twenty-five. The four twenty-six was supposed to be for twenty-five thousand, mm. and they explained, "Well, you're going to get that at a later time. You have to show maybe three or four months worth of payment, and then, then we're going to give you the additional ten thousand, which I was fine with." So I posed a question: So within the first three months, why are we paying a payment, and the document shows that we receive twenty-five thousand, even though we're receiving fifteen, and it shows we're going to get at a later date? The documents weren't proper; they weren't they weren't written out correctly. Wow. And um, the same director that, you know, was the way she was with me when I went through the program, um, she took a step back and she gave me a call about maybe three weeks later. She asked me to come in to consult because she noticed I had some information, you know, regarding the program. And um, I worked part-time for maybe about two or three months. And that's around the time where my wife and I was going through some challenges with the business and our, our relationship. And within three months, I was a loan director of the program. And that's literally how I got into funding. Because um, I was, got prior to you. that, I was a, a proficient in writing business plans. And, and to me, a business plan, and I still call it till this day, a business plan is you telling your story. You're putting your business story on paper. You're doing your research. This is how you're going to make your business work. You're literally telling a story. So uh, when I was younger... I wanted to start her hair company. I wrote this big, elaborate business plan. And, you know, it was lengthy, like 10 pages. Today, I just break it down now into a one-page, um, kind of like, yeah, just because things change so rapidly that that business plan is not going to hold true. And to go through and modify that every time, it's just a lot of work. I mean, are you, 
Do you feel that or not? Nah? Yeah, yeah. Well, the okay. business plan is more um, once you have the meat of it. I call it the meat of the executive summary that tells the uh, synopsis of Definitely. the entire story. Um, and a lot of lending institutions they don't typically look at the business plans, um, but it's when you're going into venture capitalists and private Fair investors enough. they're they're going digging into digging it into this business plan. Fair enough. Um, but we went in and um, I was able to help the program and I was able to help people write the business plans and. I restructured the whole loan contract and just wow. learned that firsthand. And our board of directors were actually vice presidents and presidents of our local banks. Um, PNC, we had Wells Fargo, we had Bank of America. They were actually consistent of the board that reviewed all of the people that were applying for loans and coming forth. And I just got everybody prepared. And um, I actually received a couple of um, awards and just for the success the program was having. And um, and over time, we started having challenges with repayments and, and things of that sort. But overall, the business, I consider, was a huge success because I called it We Bank the Unbankable. And we were fortunate to help plenty of businesses start restaurants in the community that are still currently open. We Dope. have one young lady. Um, her name is Keisha. She has a national branding company where um, she works with um, cosmetics and beauty products, and she does national campaigns. Um, we have a cleaning service where they do trash hauling, something similar to um, the ones that come out and pick up the bulks um, at the home. So we had several businesses that really succeeded, and they, they really thrived through the program. And that, that was the start of me with the business funding and helping people put money together. And I was actually offered employment by two of the bankers. And um, at the time, the salary wasn't comparable to what I was making as an independent contractor with the city. And... Um, and I got some coaching from my then administrator, which probably she didn't want me to leave, but she just <laughs> told me how numbers driven it was. And, and But that actually boosted my confidence into knowing that something I just naturally knew. Mm. You know, it was just natural, like playing with numbers and telling the story and, and just encouraging and empowering people in our community. So that's something that I just stuck with and, and here I am today. Boom. So how did that empower you to now do what you do today? Well, um, but when they canceled the contract, I still had the passion of helping people get funding, and I was actually working with one of the local banks where um, there was a young lady in the city. She had a um, aged-out foster care program, and she was just because of the relationships I built with the bankers. Um, I was able to leverage the relationships, and she was able to come in, and she was able to get two fourplexes, and just off of me helping her put her Two fourplexes. Yeah. So you talking about she got eight doors. Eight doors. With your assistance yeah. and funding. Yes. All right. All right. Now that's dope right there. And I, I re literally remember till the day. Um, shout out to Jackie Reed. Um, at the um, the ribbon cutting. Yeah. Um, the press was there. And I just remember standing on the side. And I was just in awe. Like I had something to do with this. As mm. many things I helped in the past. And. Um, with different things I did in the community, with you know, with the redevelopment that was going on in the community, that was one of the most impactful feelings. Where she was telling the stories of the kids that were going to be coming in and that were going to be housed there because they were aging out of foster care, and um, I truly saw the impact of something I did naturally, where gotcha. it didn't feel like work. And again, it was just you telling a story and you. Cheers to that, man. Go ahead, I, man. I Cheers to that. that. I appreciate that. I got that man on Angel's Envy. Taste that, man. Let me know how that is. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I told yeah, you. That's pretty good. Yeah, let me go for a second one. I love it. I love it. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, that, um, 
that's real good. Mm-hmm. But that actually, um, for something that was so easy, yeah. and, um, I don't consider myself a writer. It takes me a long time to write. Okay. Um, but um, I've learned when you put good people around you, and I tell the story, and they're able to put it down on paper and, and put it together. And, and that impact I had, um, that, how it impacted me, is something I'll never forget. I mean, literally, I'll never forget. And until this day when I'm helping people and sharing information and, and just helping people, it's a great feeling. Cool, um, cool. No, that's a that's a dope story. Yeah. That's dope, man. Like, so let me ask you. You we're now getting to know each other. Mm-hmm. But I'm a new investor. I want to start investing into real estate locally here in Indianapolis or anywhere in the country. And um, let's just say my credit score is what's what's the average credit score for a person right now? Right now, in our country, the average score is around 660. 660. Mm-hmm. My credit score is a 660. Mm-hmm. Um, what approach are we taking for me to get my first single family door? Well, with a credit score of 660, because I know how the process works, okay. um, I would first evaluate your personal credit report. Um, and if you're trying to, and if you're going into as far as investment, my first question would be, do you have a legally registered business? I do. Um, okay, you do have any, um, do you have business credit? No. And in most cases, they don't. The first thing I personally tell people is, one, you want to build out your personal, meaning you want to structure your personal credit to a certain place where you build it out, you, you're able to fund whatever you need to fund personally, getting vehicles, getting homes, and so forth. And once that is structured, then you're able to go and use your personal to leverage for your business. Then when you're able to build out the business because how great your personal is, you're going to use the capital that you're getting from the business to pay off all of the personal debt that you have. So, 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 so wait a minute, that, that, that was kind of fast for me. So let me bring you back in a little bit. So my credit score is 660. Mm-hmm. That's the average credit score. Um, what's a goal from 660 to get to for me from, from that point? From 660? Depending, my- depending on what I got on my credit is unique to everybody. Mm-hmm. But let's just say no bankruptcies, just some a late payment here, late payment there, or lack of a lack of credit cards and lack of debt, maybe. Well, my my first goal is to to legally dispute what's on your credit because you can legally um, challenge because you have the by law you can challenge whatever's on your credit report, and we're gonna try to get as many things updated on your personal credit to be able to help assist with building your score, and then we're gonna leverage your scores with getting either additional funding. Um, credit cards to help put you in position where the more the more because you need about 12 to to get a stable and be deemed bankable with person you need between 10 to 12 trade lines trade lines are actually items that's in your name Um, nowadays it's really big with AUs um, authorized users banks are now catching on to that so I always highly encourage everyone get as many items in your personal name as well hold on though I'm gonna go back so let's say I got two credit cards. Mm-hmm. You telling me I gotta go get ten credit cards? You don't have to go get ten credit cards. You need twelve different items of different type of um, revolving funding. Um, different type of trade lines. You can get a vehicle. You can get a mortgage. Mm-hmm. You can get a credit card. You can get a secured card. You can get a line of credit. All those are different type of credit card. Um, different type of trade line that you can get that helps build your credit score. And once we get you, which is not going to be that challenging to get you over, say, a 740, 750, um, that's when we're going to then be able to really look at your credit report. 
and depending on how much you're looking to obtain to get the property, which in most cases you're, you're probably going to be looking for over maybe $50,000, we then have to intentionally look for items to put on your credit card and go after certain credits to be able to match it when you go for business. Because what banks do is if you have a $500 credit card, banks are not going to give you a $10,000 credit card because the most they've ever seen you handle is what? Five thousand. Mm-hmm. So if we have to go in and secure another five thousand or ten thousand to be able to leverage that, that's what we're gonna do. Once we get your personal credit to a certain place where we know we can get business, because business they give you two to three times of what you have on your personal. So that's the reason we build up your personal to be able to scale your business mm-hmm. that much faster. And once again, you get the business funding, then you're able to pay off your personal debt, and then you just leverage your business funding. Because with the business, they don't look at high utilization. They just look at your monthly payments every single month. So what you're saying, what I hear you saying is this. On my personal credit, I need to obviously keep my, if my limit is $10,000, the max I can spend every month is really $3,000. $3,000, I like to recommend under twenty, under two. Under 2000 yeah. so keep it under 20%. Mm-hmm. All right? So you're basically saying that you need to keep your utilization at 20%. Mm-hmm. To really maximize your personal credit score. Exactly. Now, on the business side, you're saying that if I had a ten thousand dollar card, I could max it out nine thousand nine hundred and ninety nine dollars, and I will not be penalized with a negative ding for utilizing it completely. Correct. Correct. Okay. Because with on the business side, they only look at and make sure you're paying it every single month. That's all they look at. So that's where it's, it's best to leverage your business to be able to scale it when it comes to your personal. All and right. So um, a lot of us don't come from that type of exposure, mm-hmm. just being honest with you. You know what I mean? And in this podcast, um, First Generation Wealth Builders, my goal is to allow us to go from those positions, have conversations you know, that the audience could witness and to expose them to the mindset. A lot of us, though, are used to working and saving our money. A lot of us, you know, dream of not having a car payment. Mm -hmm. I don't, I have two cars. One is a luxury vehicle and I've elected not to have a car payment Mm -hmm. um, just because I don't want the debt for my debt ratio. Mm -hmm. And so you're saying, Oh, you need a car payment for to help you out to show to to reflect in credit to show that you're actually responsible. They want to see that you're able to make payments. Um, there are strategic ways. For example, if you're going out to go get a loan, yes. Um, for example, same you can use you can apply it to the car as well. If it makes you mentally feel more comfortable when you first get your car, accelerate the payments, make bigger payments. But then when you get to a certain place with the car, is either you refinance it. And or you put it at a place where you're going to have to make payments for a certain period of time because that's what helps your credit score. Um, if you get a car and you pay it off in a year, that doesn't help your credit. Gotcha. So when you say refinance, though, just so that we don't over, go over nobody's head, you're saying basically if your car is $20,000, your payment is $600 a month, go ahead and pay, you know, 1000 1500 over. When you get it to a point where now you only owe 10000 you can now refinance the vehicle on a five-year term now your payment instead of being 
you know, five, six hundred dollars, it's now two hundred dollars. If that makes you feel a lot more comfortable, yes. But now you have the recurring payment exactly. and building the history because you have some type of credit. Exactly. Exactly. Okay. And the other thing um, that people can do is call swap a lease, where um, that's one of the strategic ways I share with a lot of my clients. For one, you can drive luxury cars at a discounted rate. Swap a lease is a company where you can go in, you can cars that are coming off lease. So, for example, if you want to drive a 7 Series um, BMW, you can go into swap a lease and you can find a car anywhere in the country. Instead of you getting a four or five year lease, you can go find a car that only has a two year lease. Mm-hmm. And the payments are going to be a lot less than a car that's you know right off a lease. And you're only going to have the payment, but only for so long. But the key thing is that helps build your credit. That's the biggest key. And um, we also have strategic ways of helping people, you know, um, build their credit and also make additional revenue is. For one is, and I'm going to share this with the audience tomorrow, is where even if you go on Swapleys or you go with, now you're, um, you're familiar with the, the electric cars, the smart mm-hmm. electric mm-hmm. cars, where if you have a business, go ahead and purchase a smart electric car, the two-door cars. You go ahead and you purchase the car off of Swap Elise or wherever you're going to get it from. You're going to probably be paying less than $250. You take the car on the hood. You advertise your business on it. You go knock on a couple of doors and you ask the business owners, would you like some free advertising? Would you like to, to have your business be seen by 10, 15,000 people a day? And how do you do that? Where you put your, your marketing on it, you go door to door, you sell it to different businesses. One can get the passenger door. The other one can get the driver's side door. The other one can get the truck. The other one can get the window. And then you go get now everybody's familiar with Uber Eats mm-hmm. and all the car delivery services. You go and you get a driver. And literally you tell the driver, listen, I will rent you this car for whatever X amount of dollars per week. Um, they have them a higher car, which I think the rate is about $35, $40. So imagine you go out and you get a driver. And they're providing meals for their family, which they're out driving. Literally, you're renting the car out to a driver. They're paying you $35, $40 a day. Mm. They're driving the car all over the city or a certain area with high traffic. They're now paying you car pay- you, They're paying your car payment. And then on top of that, you're renting each section of the car. You wrap it with the different businesses. They're going to be paying you additional. So there you have it. Your car is being paid and you're earning additional income. But the biggest key is, one, you can either put it on your business to help build your business credit and or build your personal credit. So you're not only you're actually getting a car to help build your credit, you're actually getting you're earning an income with that, and your car is going to get paid off. Nice. So it's a win, 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 win all across the board. So uh, yeah, that's and that's, he can't that's, give that's us clay. He talking spicy in this yeah. thing. I hear you, yeah. bro. Okay, okay. All right, I'm gonna repeat that back. Make sure I got it because I'm a little retarded. I go to Swap Police. If I want to, I drop an S class. Mm-hmm. I want a new one. Swap a lease. Got me a new boy S. Mm-hmm. You know, AMG. Okay. And I'm going to take over wherever they were at. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Well, the, ba- with the, with the balance at. Balance of the lease. Correct. Boom. Okay. And, and that's anywhere in the country. Anywhere in the country. You actually you find it wherever you, you put it into the system. You find it what you like. And from there, they're going to ship the car over. Once you get approved, they ship the car over to you. And you start driving it. Instead of you having a four-year lease, you have probably a year, two-year lease. And there you go. Every two, three years, you drive a different brand new car. Oh, got you, got you. I'm going to have to exercise that. Yeah. All right. Now, so, got that. We now have funding. Mm-hmm. I got the credit cards now. I got personal. Let's, let's, let's start with personal. 
my credit cards. You helped me get credit cards. Because now I was at 660, I'm on 700, 720, let's just say 720. I got four credit cards. I got limits of $15,000. I want to purchase real estate. That's just my situation. How would you help somebody like me? I have 10,000 liquid. I got three credit cards that have four credit cards that have $15,000. I want to purchase a property. Property is a hundred thousand mm-hmm. dollars. Um, how are we going to acquire that through your? How would you guide me through that? With our program, there's two. You can go in two ways. Either one, you can work through a hard lender, which that's another strategic way of um, even with bad credit that you can still be able mm-hmm. to acquire the property. What's and a hard? What's a hard lender? A hard lender is pe- private people and or companies that they're they're fronting um, the in most cases eighty to almost ninety percent of the project. Either if you're rehabbing it. Um, the purchase price, and um, as the projects are being worked on, they distribute a certain amount. Different lender, different hard lenders work different ways. Gotcha. They pretty much front the money, and they work off of points, which is interest. Um, at times, it can be a higher interest rate, right? but then um, it goes back to that same concept I had before. For one, everybody has to eat, and two, you're acquiring funding that you would have never been able to obtain, so you're making something instead of nothing. And in most cases, you're making more than you would have made, period, because you're actually able to leverage and get funding over funding over funding. I've known some hard hat lenders um, giving each individual person up to five to six properties at a time. And in most cases, some people aren't able to obtain that type of funding through traditional banks. So they go through hard lenders. And, and so you have those connections. Me, yes. co- me, me calling you, you could, let, you could connect me with some private money lenders for some deals right now. Today, inexperience, no experience in, in rehabbing, no experience in purchasing real estate, we can start you off with a $350,000 budget. As oh, long yeah. as the property has equity, which means it has a cushion of if something goes wrong. Because this is what we have to look at. They're in the business of making money. Right. So even if you get to a place where you can't handle the project, there's equity in the property. They can come in and just take over the property. So it's a win-win for them. Is either you're going to pay them their interest and they're going to be making money, you make your money and you keep it moving, and or if you want to hand the property back over and you call it even, they take over the property and they finish the project. It's a win-win. So that's where we're at a place where we're able to, one, help people build their personal and business credit, and or even if you're starting off and you don't have it, we can still get you started. Mm. In the meantime, but I always still encourage people, yes, you have access to funding without having good credit, business and or personal, but we still encourage people to build their credit because that's how you maximize and be able to scale and build generational wealth because you have to be able to acquire and to be able to leave and pass it on. And so what I heard was, Eric, yeah, you got the 10,000. Yeah, you got the four credit cards, but I don't even want you to use them. Come to my private money lender or my hard money lender and he's going to take care of you as long as you got some decent equity in the deal. We'll make it make sense. What some people don't understand is that, especially young entrepreneurs, and we'll talk about this tomorrow at the mastermind, is that in those situations, you're actually, the lender's are like a mentor mm-hmm. because they will evaluate the deal a second time to make sure that they will lend to it. If they decline the deal, that means it wasn't a good deal for me anyway. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. exactly. So that's a great way to leverage a private money lender. And what happens a lot, too, is when build that relationship with not just the banks, but even the hard money lenders, over time, they're going to lower their fees. Mm-hmm. So if they see that they're going to be cons- they're going to be getting um, consistent properties 
on a monthly basis from the same person, they're going to give you reasonable rates where, to me, it's, it's almost better than going to the bank. Boom. So. I love it. I love it. I like that. I like that. All right. So let's move forward. I now got the 12 credit lines, mm -hmm. however we got them. You personal know, everybody's side. different. Yeah, personal side. All right. What's the, what's the process into, you know, taking me to the business side and leveraging uh, me, allowing me to leverage it for my business. All right, there's two ways. One way, um, and then which is a traditional way, is you you go through the different tiers, where there's tier one, tier two, tier three. And what those tiers are is you initially start when you're building your business credit. Of course, you register it, you get an EIN number, which is the legal entity number for the business. And with that, you get your first tier, which are the basic um, um, Granger, um, the different, they call them net 30 accounts where you're paying them every 30 days. What's, okay, there, yeah, And yeah. when you're paying them every 30 days where you out, you order office supplies, paper towels, and different type of things for the office. Um, and one misconception a lot of business owners have when they're doing those tiers, they feel as though when they say you have to have it for at least three months, they think they have to purchase it every three months, which is not the case. Mm -hmm. You just need to make one purchase, and you're making the monthly payments every month for three months. So that's the first stage. Once you get past that second, the first stage, then you get to the second stage, which is where you're going to get the gas cards. You're going to go get the Walmart card, which they offer gas cards as well. You're going to get those smaller cards, which is going on month number two. And from there, uh, for tier two, you're going to build from there. And once you start making those payments, then that's when you go to the office depot. And then you go to the office depot, then you go to the Home Depot, then you go to the Macy's, you go to the, well, I don't know if Sears is still around. But then you go get those type of department store cards. And then that's when you're able to leverage it once you get past that third stage where you're then able to walk into a bank and you're able to, to, to request funding. And even in between there, we have some strategic ways of um, using secured loans where you can leverage it to help accelerate that process and help build your trade lines for your businesses. Understood. So Understood. It's, it's a process. It, it, it's a process. But there, And the second way of doing it, I didn't mean to interrupt you, is the way I was sharing earlier with you leveraging your personal credit from the start. And yes, so I, is my social security attached to it? Though? Yes, yes. Okay, um, but how how I share with people is you have to have a plan. You can't just do it willy nilly, and you don't actually have a plan, which is where the business plan come into it. Which is where you, I believe, in you write everything on paper, and you, you, you know, you, you yes, you can make changes, but you have to follow a plan. Once you build your personal, and you're able to leverage it to be able to get business funding use your business funding to pay off the personal debt that you acquired. Mm. And that we deal with a lot of banks at some point within two or three months, we're able to take off the personal guarantee and leave it strictly for the business. So I could just call my bank and be like, hey, take my social law. Exactly. Let's do uh, EIN only. Exactly. Got you. Exactly. But by then, though, you got a, a DUNS number or something, right? Exactly. What's and the DUNS number? What's the purpose of that? The DUNS number is something they use to leverage. Um, it's almost like they look at the DUNS. Dun & Bradstreet is an entity where um, the banking institutions go to look at your credit report, just like with the first one, we have Equifax, Experian, TransUnion, and some of the third parties. DUNS is equivalent to that for businesses. Um, for businesses as well, they have NAV and also Experian that they go to use to, to look at the business credit history. Got you, got you. Okay, okay, okay. Now, I, I, I got that line of credit. Mm -hmm. um, let's say Lowe's card. I got an Amex um, gold card. Um, let's say I got a limit of twenty five thousand. Um, I know that's something you briefly talked about. You was like, "E, I know you got some good credit, but 
I'm trying to get you even more money. Mm-hmm. Um, what are the tactics that you use to to expand the cre- business credit line? Well, one of the tactics we use is banks want to see that you're spending money. Banks want to see that you need more money because what they're banking on is for one, you need more money and you're not able to pay it off at, um, in time. At, at, in time because they're going to be charging you interest on it. Um, how I teach people how to leverage that and to accelerate getting your limits up is for one, we call it manufacturer spending, okay. um, which is where, um, this, I call this a play, where you can go into a department store, correct? You go in and say you want to purchase a television. You go in and the television is $1,200. You go into the department, you purchase a television, you give them your credit card. Now, if it's $1,200, you put $1,100 on your credit card and you put $100 on your debit card. And when you tell them, okay, it's either you walk around the store, you, after you purchase it, you let it walk around the store, you come back a couple of days later and you change your mind. And when they ask you, okay, sir, here's the receipt, you give them the receipt. And when they ask you for your credit card that you used to purchase it, you don't give them your credit card that you used, you give them your debit card. So there, when you give them the debit card, they give it back to you. One, you're going to be getting cash back that's going to be going to your debit card. You still have the bill on your credit card. So one, you're going to be getting the points for your credit card, either traveling, cash back, whatever, you're going to get that. And two, when they give it to you back on your debit card, you then use that to pay back your credit card. You don't just go spend that. You use that to pay back your credit card. So if you do that a couple times a month, you're going to be spending quite a few thousand dollars a month. So then the bank sees that, and what are they going to do? You're spending money. You need to give them more money. Mm. That's how you accelerate getting your interest, your your credit card balance. Um, That's how they raise it for you because they're going to see a consistent spending on a regular basis. But you're not really spending the money. You're actually giving it back to them. It's just how you're giving it back to them. And we have some other strategic ways of of, of actually spending and, and so forth. But that's one way of doing that. And even for, and I'm going to share tomorrow with the audience, um, especially with purchasing real estate. So if you have a $25,000 American Express, you have a $30,000 American Express, literally you use that exact same play. You go into the department I'm going to be taking shit back though. I'll be using the wood. No, but <laughs> if you, no, if you go, you go purchase the television. Uh-huh. They give you, say, all right, say you want to decide you want to go buy a, a, a you want to go buy two fish detectors for the boats. Those cost about maybe ten thousand mm-hmm. dollars. You have a twenty-five thousand dollar credit card. You order your fish detector online. Costs you twenty-one thousand dollars. It comes in the mail. You return it back to the department store. They're not going to ask you for the credit card you use because you ordered it online. They're just going to ask you the credit card that you're going to return the money to. You give them your debit card. You don't spend twenty-one thousand dollars. You're going to have then they're going to refund you back twenty-one thousand dollars on your debit card. You still have a balance of twenty-one thousand on your credit card. Use that $21,000 cash that's on your debit card, because, of course, it goes to your bank. You go buy your property with it. Mm. You understand? So within 30, 40 days or whatever, 60 days, you have Mm. your funding to purchase your property, put a down payment. You better work it, because you're going to have a payment for one coming up on a property and two for your credit card. But you didn't have $21,000 cash from your credit card. Turning credit to cash. Exactly. And then once the property closes, yes, you're going to have a high utilization, but it's your business credit card. And even if it's your personal, because credit is supposed to be used for a purpose. If you have your credit and you're using it for that purpose for that period of time, it's okay. Mm-hmm. Your credit score is going to drop because of utilization. But once you pay off your property, you get your funding back, you pay off your credit card, you move on to the next project. But there's your 
$25,000 for your down payment. And a lot of people have credit, but they don't know how to use it. Mm -hmm. It's just a matter of how you use it. So that's another strategic way of actually getting credit to cash without you paying the cash advance and so forth. So Got you. And it's all legal, by the way. That's nothing illegal about hey, it. It's all legal. Hey, my kid's <laughs> going to be like returning shit every day now. <laughs> no, actually, that's, um, that's, that's big business now. That's big because people are getting a lot of reward points. And um, there's a, a, an app. Um, I forgot the name of it. It escapes me. But they literally give you points. No, it's not Discover. Um, they literally give you points um, and coupons. And they give you cash back for you spending on the app. The more you buy on the app, they're sending you a check. And what, the, what you do is you don't deposit check, you go cash your check. You're getting your cash back. And by the time you return all the furniture, all whatever you're buying, <laughs> yep. yes, yes, it's, it's, it's big business. It's all big right. business. So now I need some mentorship. You know what I'm saying? Uh, I definitely appreciate the real estate connection. As, like I said, here we're trying to, you know, utilize your skill set and empower us in a way to we can leverage it with real estate. But now I need some one-on-one time. I have her hair company. Um, on average, we order thirty to fifty thousand dollars worth of hair. I use a Amex card. Mm-hmm. I have a platinum card that has a hundred thousand dollar limit, and I also have a uh, uh, that which that's a charge card, and then I also have a credit card that um, has a thirty five thousand dollar limit. That's a Delta card, though. All right. So I love to travel, so I tend to use a credit card. Exactly. To for my Delta points, Travel right? For free. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. So, is there? It, once I make the purchase, I then pay. You know, for the hair, mm-hmm. probably by five, six days. I pay it every Monday just okay. to kind of stay current. You okay. know, what I mean, I don't wait to the bill. I just pay it every Monday. So remember, I have the platinum card and I have a Delta, but I elect to use the Delta to kind of build up that. If I once I'm like at a great place there, I didn't start using the platinum points. But I have other businesses too. And so let's say the platinum card has a $100,000 limit. But I have like a gold card and I have a, a platinum card for another business. They tend to merge that balance within one. Is that, is that true? With the different businesses? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, well, if, it's, if I'm understanding you, you're using the same credit card for two different businesses? No, I would never do that. I have a Her Hair Company platinum card. Okay. Then I have a St. Castle Investment Group platinum card. Okay. That $100,000 balance. If I look at my Amex account, it says like, like they tell me I have no limit, but I I could check my sp- like ex- uh, expense uh, like ratio. They'll be like, you have a limit, but it is it isn't a limit. She says ballpark around a hundred thousand dollars overall for okay. my three businesses. Okay, are you familiar with what I'm talking about? Yeah, I I am familiar with it. And what it is is once they see a history and a pattern, mm-hmm. you can literally call them in and they'll extend it for you. But that will extend it for all all the cards, in essence, in one pool. Well, it would be the one that you're spending the funding on. Got for example, you. one of my partners with the Amazon, he's literally paying American Express over 500000 a month. He sent him a check for 250000 every two weeks. So the more you spend, they're going to they're gonna raise the limit. I spend, so we need yeah. to call them before you leave. Yeah. And I'm going to need your voice when you get on there. You'll be like, hey, this is Eric Armstrong, and uh, I'm going to need uh, – Increase a hundred thousand today. We going through that before you go. Nah, the, the biggest thing is, um, and, I, and I tell a lot of my clients is just share with them where you're exploring different opportunities, and you've been offered different opportunities, and because you've been with them for X amount of period of time, 
um, you're giving them the option and the opportunity to either match and or exceed it. I always tell everyone, go $10,000 above of what you really want. And from there, because they're not going to want you to leave, because they're seeing you're leaving, they're not going to want you to leave. I mean, once you have a consistent pattern and you have a good history with them. So you literally say something like, hey, my business is growing. I need this limit. I'm going to have to make a different choice. Well, hey, uh, well, my words are a little different. Hey, listen, I've, I've had a great experience with you guys, but this is where my business is going. We're thriving. And when I initially signed up with you guys, you know, I was told that, you know, you were going to grow my business. And I'm now at the place where my business needs the additional capital. You can look at my transactions. You see the growth pattern. Um, I've been offered different opportunities with other cardholders, but I'm extending this offer to you first. So I'm looking to extend my credit limit by 10000 or whatever more, and you want them to explore the opportunity. And if not, then you know, you have to go, you're going to have to um, accept other offers, and there's a pretty good chance they're going to give you the best that they can give you, and if you're happy with them, you stay with it. And when you're done, you literally call the second card, and you tell them the exact same thing. Mm. And there you go, within a couple hours, probably go up 20 30,000 among several cards how often do you do that i i recommend that almost every three to six months for that mm. some of them um yes they some of them do have guidelines um but if you're spending it they're going to give it to you all right man yeah. Ooh, that's a lot that you've put on us um so let, let's talk about your company mm-hmm. um uh who do you specifically help like what, what do you do like like let Empower us, How what you do, how do you help us, and how can we contact you? Okay, my main thing, um, and it's something I'm really passionate about, I have a non-for-profit, Save Our Boys, um, that I near and dear to my heart. We work with two schools, um, and um, I was fortunate and blessed um, prior to Barack Obama leaving office. I was honored with the Barack Obama Lifetime Achievement Award, which is something I'm Super dope, super and dope. Cheers. I got to take a yeah, drink on that, boss. Definitely, definitely, definitely. Yeah, that's <laughs> something I was extremely proud of with um, Barack. Excuse me, President Barack Obama. I don't know him on a first-name basis, but I was honored with that award. And the reason why I share that is because with everything I do, it's service. Service comes first. And before I even mention my for-profit businesses, I like to share my experiences with my non-for-profit because that's where everything comes from. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're not offering service open-heartedly, then you're limited, in my belief, to, to a certain degree. Um, but with my for-profits, um, we, I can be reached at Andy Schoenfa, um, A-N-D-Y-C-H-E-R-E-N-F-A-N-T underscore on Instagram. I have the Schoenfa Group, and my business funding organization is called intentionalfunding.com, um, which why I'm passionate about the name Intentional is because everything I do is intentional. You know, we, we don't leave much things to chance. Yes, when you follow your inner spirit, it guides you, but you're going to have to take intentional steps. You're going to have to be intentional with literally getting up. You have to be intentional with walking out the door. You have to be intentional with how you greet people, how you carry on. So um, with intentional funding, it's, it's, you know, with some of the things I shared, certain things are intentional. You know, it doesn't happen by accident. Right. Yes, it happens, but you move forward and, and you make it happen. Um, but yeah, I can be reached there and we, we do the funding. I have a mentorship program that I'm starting next month where oh. we're going to be mentoring and we're only going to be taking a limited amount of people. Uh, I'm going to cap it off at 10 okay. only because I want to have that. Um, yes, it's not one-on-one. It's going to be one-on-10 or maybe one-on-15 where I get that custom help and 
scale out businesses and be able to get the maximums um, as far as funding. Um, and we're accepting people with, you know, no businesses. We're helping them establish their business to be able to get funding. And um, my goal is, and it was said about maybe two years ago, of helping 5,000 um, families. And um, I've now broken it down where I'm learning to pace myself at a certain place to be able to maximize um, to help people expand and to be able to grow in the right way. Right way. So, um, yeah, my goal is five reach out five thousand families and make a difference. And I believe if we all can tap in within ourselves to help people, this world will be a different place. No, uh, no doubt, no doubt. Um, what I'm gonna do, um, if that went past kind of fast, I'm gonna put the links below um, the video. Therefore, Andy can you can reach Andy directly on Instagram, his uh, his uh, web page. And just contact him as far as like your situation, whether you want to do the credit repair and or get funding. Yes. And obviously he has the strategic connections, connections to basically um, allow you to leverage and improve your situation wherever you may be at in your process. Whether you're just really just trying to fix your credit to purchase a home to live in and or you're trying to get funding for an investment property Definitely. and or business credit. If you have, you know, a T-shirt business, a, a car wash growth financially overall exactly. it sounds like you know exactly. and funding um so if you want to get to andy man hit the links below um tap in with him and we'll go from there um man i really uh i really uh i, w I appreciate you for coming out man um and I, I i think it's important for people to know the the back end of of, of what we got going on yes, here exactly. and the back end was that we both were individuals that teamed up with somebody that's doing major things in the industry, um, and that's Neil Davis yes. um, in Atlanta. He's from Philly, but he's in Atlanta right now. Um, and uh, we teamed up with Neo because Neo basically was teaching us how to expand our brands, um, grow our brands socially, and we were looking to grow. Exactly. So we were students, and um, you, I uh, let you know that I was working on a mastermind with some real estate investors, as I am trying to empower um, in my way, which is building wealth through real estate, you're trying to empower people through building, you know, wealth through and getting the funding to, to start. Exactly. And it was just like, yo, whenever you need me, call me. I called you. Um, you came here. You got your guy. And basically, you're getting your content. I'm, I'm My goal tonight, I told you, I'm going to team you up with my guys. It's just to connect you and just build. That. You know what I'm saying? So... I think it's important for people to know that this is just not like a business transaction. There was no money really discussed. It's a situation to where you came in town and you were just like, yo, I'm here. What's yeah, happening? Literally. And so for me, I called all my guys. So we teaming up, we taking care of you and we're linking up. And then tomorrow you're empowering my students and hopefully I'll be able to reciprocate the same thing in the future for your people whenever they're looking for assets. But I think that they need to know the back into the context just because it's, it's, it's not, we're just not talking it. We're actually doing it. Exactly. And we were students. Exactly. So we're humble enough to still understand that we're, we're learning and we're growing in our own journeys. And it's just relationships are the key to life. Man, shout out to Neo for, for actually bringing us all together. And, and as we like to say, we're running the play. There it where, is. What he there taught us, we're literally running the play. And, and it's all happening organically. Like you said, there was no money exchange. It yeah, was, Terrence is even coming down. Yeah, I met Terrence. My bad, T. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Terrence. Down, so I met Terrence in Miami. Yeah. You know, with the, uh, he got the cleaning service. 
and he's actually teaching people how to build six-figure cleaning services yes, definitely. based on his platform and everything he got going on and he's coming in to talk about just leadership and mindset right great brother coming in from ohio um driving up he should be here shortly but um yeah we're all, we're all like minds and we truly truly believe when i say to the core um we have to be there for each other mm. uh, we have to help each other build um and with that it just happens organically and you shared earlier you hope to to reciprocate it back to me and and to me with your audience and your students that we're going to be talking to tomorrow just with them being empowered with information I'm going to share just with them actually taking what myself and Terrence are going to be talking about tomorrow and them actually taking it and running with it and leveraging it that's the payoff right there because mm -hmm. it's not only assisting just them it's assisting the kids that they have that are watching them it's assisting the nieces and nephews that are watching them it's assisting their families that never believed there was hope right that are watching them it's 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 it's, it's more than just us it's something that's going to go pass on for not just within them it's going to spread out throughout their families no and doubt no believe doubt. it or not um years to come we're, we're going to sit back and we're going to be looking at stories and listening to stories and i truly believe that's where the blessings no come in and, and, and that's how we help build our community no doubt no doubt and i just wanted to put that out there just that the, therefore they knew that it's the authentic truth yes, you know what i mean and, and and that it's possible um, and I always have said that, you know, a lot of us get caught up with uh, networking or, or was, you know, uh, we're, we're going to this uh, um, cigar bar, this hookah lounge to talk about this play. Mm -hmm. And the truth is, lots of times that's just like busy, just like ideas and shit in the air. The truth is that I feel you make the best connections in the classroom because, two, there are mentors there. There's guidance. Mm -hmm. Then the rest of the people are individuals who are taking action. And you also are amongst those with a certain mindset of personal improvement. Mm -hmm. And they're aware that they don't know it all. Exactly. Therefore, they're there to try to get it all. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And, and exactly like you just shared in that room, we had several, several businesses that were doing it well but yet they still made time and intentionally brought themselves down to be able to learn and to expand and you know again it, it's, it's not just for self it's we're all looking to help build and help each other build yeah no and, doubt and no doubt shout out again shout out to me that's, that's the man there no doubt no doubt so man we're gonna wrap it up there man that's another episode of first generation wealth builders man thank you for tuning in make sure to share and like this episode Definitely. man tell a friend to tell a friend man it's going down over here i'll see you on the other side Definitely. thank you for having me bro